Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. That's all she wrote for the honeymoon phase of Jeff Saturday's interim tenure. Have we seen the turning point of Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars? And Sunday may have been the last snaps we see from Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. It was a big opportunity for the Indianapolis Colts. Sitting at 4-6-1, still in the race in the AFC against a rookie quarterback at home on Monday night. The Colts could not get it done. A 24-17 loss with a final drive that they could not get into the end zone to tie the game and potentially force overtime. Joining me now from Locked on Colts, Zach Hicks. And Zach, this was a, a pretty nice start to the Jeff Saturday era, at least at first. Uh, it it uh, did not go so great on Monday. What was the difference? You know, it, it's funny. I, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, this Colts team is so different on just Saturday. They have more passion. They have more fight. You know, the interim coach comes in and, and inspires them. But look, we see this with every interim coach across every sport. When they first come in, there's some fight that first week. Or maybe, you know, maybe it goes two weeks. You know, they took the Eagles to the wire last week you know maybe it goes two weeks but they could have won that game right they could have won that game but that's kind of the story of the Colts this season anyway (laughs) so but that kind of goes back to my point is the interim coach brings that energy that first week or the first two weeks but look it's going to be the same team coaching can only go so far and when you're at the point where you're firing your head coach mid-season there is something seriously wrong with not just the coaching not just the player but everything there's something really going wrong for firing your head coach mid-season and uh, no, no amount of interim coach buzz and, and pizzazz is going to fix that. And, and yeah, that, that Raiders win was super fun two weeks ago. But look, it all comes back to reality eventually. And that's kind of what it is. The Colts are the same team right now that they were back in week one when they tied the Houston Texans, that they were in week two when they got blown, blown out by the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is just the same football team that we've seen all year. And that's just not a playoff team. You know, it's probably more of a top 10 pick team. Uh, and this loss kind of further push that agenda, you know, for, for everyone that's kind of been saying that about this team all year, but yeah, I mean, if we're going to get into the microcosms of this entire game, I mean, it's just, it's kind of the issues that have popped up all year. You know, the offensive line had some struggles, the receivers couldn't get open Uh, the play calling, you know, again, from, from parks, Frazier, a a guy who's definitely not equipped to be in this role whatsoever. uh, Just wasn't there. And, And Matt Ryan just looked like, very much like a you know veteran quarterback who's kind of you know at the at the very end of his career. So uh, this Colts offense it took way too long to get it going, uh, and as a result, you know the defense couldn't hold on. Like we kind of had to say all year with this team. How does what we've seen over the last three weeks inform the way that you view the firing of Frank Reich? Because to your point, this is the same team, and because they're now still the same team, and and maybe are closer to that top ten. 10 pick kind team. Doesn't it seem like maybe Frank Wright got a raw deal? You know, I could obviously go on a whole tangent on this, but the the thing I'll say kind of briefly here, just so I don't take up too much of your time is look, firing a head coach midseason should be saved for extraordinary exceptions. You know, uh, an urban Meyer type thing, like a complete disaster 
where the locker room is hostile and, and like you just need to get that guy out. It should not be for a guy who's what five years in, four years in, five years in, uh, who's undergone some crazy things. You know, Andrew Luck walked away and retired right before the 2019 season. And Frank Reich still had a winning record as a head coach with the Indianapolis. That's not the guy you fire midseason. I don't care if everything is on fire around him and that you're going to fire him at the end of the season. You would at least owe him that, that you're not going to fire him midseason. It's embarrassing. And Nick Sirianni said that a lot last week. You know, this game, the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Colts, that was for Frank Reich because it's embarrassing. And then obviously to go and get an ESPN analyst to, to you know, replace him. Uh, that's just that's just new levels of it. So, yeah, you know, as much as I was saying that, yeah, Frank Reich probably had to go after the season. It was time. It was definitely time for the Colts to part ways. The way it happened was bad. And, and you know, we're kind of seeing, you know, Jim Irsay was taking his victory laps after that Vegas game, you know, how he was so smart and and look, look what's happening. We turned the corner. Well, I hope this one was something that kind of brings him back to reality where, look, you went off the cuff and you thought you were going to save the season by bringing in one of your buddies to coach instead of Frank Reich. And, and you took the risk of looking like a fool, getting rid of Frank Reich, a really well-respected coach halfway through the season. And you're the same team, the exact same team. And maybe it wasn't the coaching. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, again, I think Frank Reich at the end of the season, it, it probably would have made sense for him to have been fired. But the way they went about it and to not turn it around afterwards, like kind of everyone expected. Uh, yeah, it's 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 embarrassing for all parties. Stay up to date all year on the Indianapolis Colts by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Colts podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, is it finally time, finally time, for the Jacksonville Jaguars to step into the light of contention? Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. A few NBA games have interesting point spreads, starting with the New York Knicks and Detroit Pistons. Bet Online likes the Knicks on the road by four. The late game has the Portland Trailblazers hosting the LA Clippers. Bet Online likes the Blazers by three and a half. But the game of the night is the defending champion Golden State Warriors coming up as underdogs on the road against the Dallas Mavericks. Bet Online has the Mavs by a point. Bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The next head coach for Auburn football will be Hugh Freeze. I guess the writing on the wall, uh, the writing was on the wall for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess ever since Lane Kiffin kind of stepped away from all of this, and this is this is where we are. Hugh Freeze is, is Auburn's next head football coach. Yeah, and it's we we talked about this just less than 24 hours ago about Auburn had a self-imposed 72-hour deadline after the Iron Bowl to kind of have somebody in place. Uh, we thought this was going to happen last week. There was rumblings on Friday and Saturday. Uh, didn't happen. It's official this afternoon. Uh, as sources report, we're still waiting on official word from the university. But uh, very interested in a couple things. One, I'm curious to see what the contract is, but very interested in see the coordinator hires. This is something where I don't know who all is going to come with Hugh Freeze from Liberty, who is waiting for a bowl game. Like, they're bowl, they're bowl eligible. Um, but obviously, he's going to go ahead and come to Auburn. I'm curious to see who, who, who he brings on his staff with him. Twitter can be a lot. Lamar Jackson found that out on Sunday when, for some reason, the Ravens quarterback logged onto the website to find a disappointed fan, had tagged him in a tweet that disparaged his play. 
I mean, I, I talked to him. I heard about it last night. Uh, talked to him this morning. Uh, I, talk, I had to have, talk to him on the plane too, a little bit, but that was about other things and things about the game. And then, uh, you know, I just talked to these guys. We talk a lot. We, we talk a lot about football, but we also talk a little bit about that stuff too. You know, what goes on in terms of the media and everything. And and really, you know, it's it just beg guys not to. You know, not to get into the Twitter world right after the game, especially after a loss. It's never going to be positive. It's not going to be a nice place, you know. And uh, I think that's kind of reflected in, in Lamar's response because what he said was just so out of character for him. That's not the way he speaks. It's not the way he talks. It's not the words he ever uses. I've never heard him say things like that before. By the way, Lamar tweeted some things in that exchange that were offensive, that were gross and potentially homophobic. He should not have engaged at all, but especially not in that way. Presumably now he knows that. The Charlotte Hornets scored 105 points and lost by 35 to the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics got hot early. They never let up and the results was a 35-point blowout of the decimated Charlotte Hornets. I'm John Corrales of the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here at TD Garden, where everybody's celebrating a wire-to-wire blowout win. The Celtics had a big 20-to-4 uh, run early in that first quarter that blew the game open. They put up over 40 points in the first quarter. They held the Hornets to less than 20. Tatum dropped a casual 35, dominating a very soft defense Hornets are not known for being rim protectors, and Tatum just blew them apart at the rim. Marcus Smart has a career-high 15 assists, just dimes dropped everywhere. The Celtics had 40 assists on 55 main baskets. Their offense, number one in the league, one of the best in history, just keeps on rolling. They're going to try to keep it going on this homestand where they've won four in a row. And on the ice, the Tampa Bay Lightning got a dramatic OT win over the Buffalo Sabres thanks to the man who's been delivering wins for a long time, Steven Stamkos. Well, there was no shortage of drama in tonight's win against the Buffalo Sabres as the Tampa Bay Lightning came back from two down to win this game in overtime game. A two-goal game from Braden Point as well as a two-goal game from Steven Stamkos. Stamkos currently on the cusp of reaching the 1,000-point mark for his career. Great performances from Nikita Kucherov, Nick Pervix, as well as Brian Elliott and goal. Join me on Locked on Lightning as I break down the, the, the Lightning's big win on the road is another story you need to know. It's been a while since we've been able to talk about something good with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not forever, but a while. And on Sunday, Trevor Lawrence put together one of the best drives of recent Jaguars vintage, the game winner against a really good Baltimore Ravens team in a 28 to 27 win. Tony Wiggins from Locked on Jaguars, who is one of my favorite people to talk to. We just haven't had a lot of occasions to do so, Tony. Right. But now we do, and, and that's exactly what why this stands out to me, because it seems like this could be the kind of moment that propels this team forward in a meaningful way. What do you think of that idea? It, you, you're spot on, and you're right. It didn't start with yesterday. I'm going to give you the cumulative numbers 
over the last three weeks. He's 83 of 103, meaning completions to attempts, mm. with 824 yards, six touchdowns, and zero picks. That seems That's good. Three games over four weeks because they had a bye week. So this was the culmination of all of that. And the other part of it was the way that he commanded the team. They took, you know, they scored. Then Baltimore went down and scored. Then he said, whatever, I'm going to score. And I think that was a big deal. And it, it really resonated with the fans. And when Doug Peterson decided to go for two, everybody stood up and said, let's go. So at that point, I realized that even if it didn't happen, if, even if they didn't convert, everybody was saying, this is it. He is the man. I, I, I was so ready to ask you about the two-point conversion because we had a couple game-winning two-point conversions over the weekend. It felt like in the moment watching the game, they should go for two. They absolutely should go for two. Did you feel that in the moment? Hey, this is the right call here. Yeah, because he's done that before. And earlier this year, people, as they've, they've accused him of chasing points. And mm-hmm. I said, Doug is going to be Doug. I said, if you watched him win the Super Bowl with the Eagles, he did that because he was aggressive. That's not something that you can turn off and turn on. You are who you are, man. And I said, at some point, the thing that you guys lament is something that you're going to appreciate. So when he decided to go for two, it was a, if he wouldn't have done that, everybody would have probably been confused because he's been going for two when people have been confused about it. And I don't think you can get into a situation with Baltimore with Justin Tucker. We're in Jacksonville. I said he can kick it from Savannah. He didn't, but he can <laughs> kick it from Brunswick, right? You don't want to get into a, a an overtime situation where a guy can kick a 57-yard field goal with ease. He attempted a 67-yarder, and I thought he made it. So the thing is, is you have to go for it at that point if you're Jacksonville. You have nothing to lose. The the camera angle on TV made it seem like he did, in fact, make it for a long time, and then you realized, oh, it's short. Some really uh, creative directing on that one. You mentioned that three-game stretch. Not a coincidence. They are two and one in that stretch. So what kind of finish can the Jaguars have to a season in which they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but they're certainly not dead yet, even at four and seven in the AFC. They're not dead because they're four and seven and Tennessee is seven and four and they have not played them yet in the Mm. division. So the thing is, that's a two game swing. If you can get that and you can capitalize off this momentum, then that means you have to get one. You're not supposed to get like Dallas coming in to Jacksonville and the stands are going to be full. This game may have been a prelude to that because this game was full from the Raptors from top to bottom. A lot of them were Ravens fans. But now we know the Cowboys travel. We know there's a a lot of Cowboys fans everywhere. This is not going to be a foreign environment for this team to have to adjust and have to play under pressure. And there's something about Trevor I want to share here. He's played games against Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Now, yesterday, he played against uh, Lamar Jackson. And then he's also played a game against the other, the fifth quarterback that everybody thinks is is, is great in this league. He's three and two against those guys. So what that tells you is this. Josh Allen, last year they beat Josh Allen. I didn't Mm -hmm. mention him. The thing is, is that tells you that this little gunslinger looks on the other side of the field and says, you know what? <laughs> Bump that. I think the five guest 
the five best games he's ever played have been against those guys, and he's three and two. That tells me that he understands the moment. He understands the situation. So this is very, very positive for the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward. Stay up to date all here on the Jacksonville Jaguars by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Jags podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, we may have seen the last snap in Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers have had a disappointing season, and Aaron Rodgers has been at the epicenter of all of it. This last game brought an early exit for Rodgers due to injury, and some are wondering, including me, on my show Locked on Packers, whether this is it for him in Green Bay. If Rodgers can play, I said this last week, he should play. But there is no benefit to Rodgers gutting this out anymore. Let the thumb heal. If he's got cracked ribs or if he, honestly, if he has any injury that was bad enough for him to not even have a question, he goes in the locker room and bang, it's done. Whether or not Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback next year, it doesn't matter. You wait now because you're not playing for the playoffs. You're playing for continuity. You're playing for reps. You're playing for pride and all that stuff. A, a, a little bit less than on defense because you know who your guys are on offense. You know what your identity is offensively. Or at least you know the scheme and the scheme is real. The scheme works. We know the scheme works. So if Rodgers is going to have to gut out some game against the Bears, don't. Don't. It's Jordan Love time. Now, I'm not ready to say it's Jordan Love time forever, but. I do think we need to consider the possibility that Aaron Rodgers has played his last snap as the Green Bay Packers quarterback. That is a possibility. Matt LaFleur did say on Monday that if Aaron Rodgers is cleared to play this Sunday, he would play. But did not say Aaron Rodgers was, in fact, cleared to play despite having scans that Rodgers himself said on Sunday would tell the story. If they were aligned, if everyone agreed on what would happen, wouldn't Matt LaFleur just say so? And if the Packers are not going to play Aaron Rodgers on Sunday because he is hurt, then why bring him back after the bye? With four games to go, the Packers season is likely already over by that point, if not actually mathematically than for all intents and purposes. If Rodgers doesn't play this week, his season is over. And that opens up the possibility that he's not back in 2023, especially if Jordan Love goes out and plays well. It's all out there and still possible for the Packers. So just like Aaron says he's going to play until they're mathematically eliminated, until Aaron Rodgers is mathematically cleared to play, this is all still a possibility. And finally, kudos to Robert Sala. He has been a content machine this season, and that has not stopped. When asked about Mike White's performance and if it changed Sala's mind on the plan he laid out last week for the Jets' quarterback position, Sala didn't not say it was Mike White's job, but he didn't. Well, here's what Sala said. 
Uh, no, it's uh, like I said, we're, we're going to go week to week. There's there's things that we'd love to see Zach uh, accomplish uh, over the course of, uh, we'll call it a reset, but, um, and this is Mike White's opportunity. That doesn't change. So Mike's got an opportunity to go stack another uh, great day up uh, this week. And um, when, when we feel like Zach is ready to roll, he's going to roll. So yeah, follow Locked On Sports today and Locked On Jets for all the latest on the Jets quarterback du jour. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, what does Hugh Freeze need to do to turn Auburn back into a national title contender? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.